You're entering the Drop Biscuit Studios time machine to listen to classic Fame is a Bitch. Hey everybody, AJ Benji here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your free show for Friday. It's Free Ball Friday. And if uh, any of you saw the uh, first episode of uh, the new Sex in the City series, <laughs> head over to Patreon if you want any spoilers to be uh, dropped in your lap because this whole this whole first episode will spoil any of your desires hoping that this series is going to do you to do it justice it's it's awful it's so bad so go to patreon.com slash famous a bitch to hear what I have to say about that, including a very big plot twist that maybe many of you have already heard. Stupidest idea in the world, but they did it because they're lost. Because there never should have been a series, but everybody's money hungry. Anyhow, the other news of the day for December 10th, 2021. Hilaria Baldwin is back. Uh, yeah, she just can't seem to 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 let go of us. Even though her husband is going through the brunt of this tragedy with the shooting on the set of the movie Rust, we all know how he feels. We saw the uh, interview with George Stephanopoulos, all the choreographed questioning in which Alec broke down, didn't take responsibility for the death of uh, Helena Hutchins, even though the gun was in his hand that fired the bullet. Magically, somehow the bullet came out. He never pulled the trigger. You heard everything. But on top of that, Hilaria still needs everyone to know that she's going through a lot. Alec put out a very big letter the other day um, explaining how everybody feels from the set of Rust, and he just wanted to pour his heart out. You saw the other night he was visiting a friend, I guess, and some asshole, I don't agree with this person at all, some asshole charged him and Hilaria with a camera. Alec, uh, what are you doing now? Who lives here? Who's here? Who are you seeing? You can't ask somebody those questions with a camera in their face. He's filming the guy's front door with Alec about to be let in, and Hilaria's doing her best to protect her husband. I asked you to stop filming. Suddenly, there's no Spanish accent whatsoever in her voice. But Alec came back toward the guy with the camera for a second, not menacingly, just to let him know, hey, enough of this shit. And the guy said, did you pull the trigger? How the bullet mysteriously leaked? All that kind of shit. He doesn't need that. No one needs to talk to him that way. He's doing he's doing his own. He, he's making himself look guilty on his own just talking. So you don't need to ambush him on the street. But Hilaria had to come out and she has now declared 2022 the year of using her voice. She made an Instagram post saying that her husband, Alec, is suffering from PTSD right now. And lately, something's off with the way she's posting pictures. That picture of him kissing her at, I guess, a party. He's kind of missing her lips, but she thought it was appropriate to post. And this post is her looking aimlessly into space while the text beneath her is gigantic. She's something's wrong with her. But of course, all of her celebrity friends can't give her enough virtual hugs. But she makes a stand. She has a video of this particular person who's not a paparazzi. It's some schmuck with an iPhone. A real schmucky guy who just wants to be a nuisance. And Hilaria said, I promised myself I won't lose my voice again. Well, what about the Spanish accent? 
No matter how much I get beaten over and over, being intimidated in silence is gut-wrenching. I need to speak up about this, not only for my family, but for those who are hurt before me, for those now, and for those who hopefully in the future will have a different fate, if and only if we can make a true change. We were walking down the street, and this man from the New York Post randomly saw us, an outlet that is committed to tearing my family down. It just goes on and on. This man's eyes light up when he saw us. Well, you know, he's somewhat of a reporter, I assume. Looked like a schmuck to me. We need this to be different. Maybe I won't see it in my lifetime, but I will be a building block. She's just making herself out to be the most amazing person. And of course, after she writes this, please help us by listening and carrying the torch. No more lives silenced and blown out like little flames. Careful how you explain lives being blown out, asshole. Your husband just killed a woman. Each life is important. No kidding. Go ask Helena Hutchins' husband. The first comment back is Alex saying, and I love you. And then Alec goes on again. I want all of you followers to get ready for my new book. Go fuck yourself. It's about cancel culture. And then all of her friends, all of their friends. That's just disgusting. I hope you guys get a bodyguard. How about just stay home? Just stay home. Even his daughter climbed in. So gross and embarrassing. A lot of people. A lot of people are on their side. Look, you got to be careful how you talk when your husband is the person who's silencing a life, who's blowing out a life flame. The, the, the words they use and the terms she uses are so stupid. I mean, I love for her to spend a day with Helena Hutchins' husband and motherless son, see how the other half lives. Yeah, it's rough to be followed down the street and have people turn and look at you, but you know what? You're alive. Your kids have parents. You know, I, I, I just, these people, ah, everybody's fucked up. Celebrities seem to have these blinders on where they don't understand that they're very different from us. And the way they carry out their lives doesn't always look right. It looks really stupid. And they're so disassociated from the real world, they can't even tell. I said the other day that Nick Cannon, who suffered an, an awful tragedy of losing a five-month-old son, Zen, I'm not making fun of it. My heart goes out to him and the mother of this baby. I think her name is Alyssa Scott. Beautiful girl. Horrible, awful man. I can make fun that he wants to, you know, impregnate the whole world and have how many kids we don't even know. I, I make fun of his turbans, how much he works, blah, blah, blah. Losing a kid, that's not supposed to happen. So I'll draw the line at making any jokes there, obviously. But I said when he went on the, his talk show, one of his three or four jobs, and decided to say this on air that I lost my son. The audience had no clue. It was gut-wrenching. He cried through it, but then he kind of wrapped it up by saying, but you know what? I'm here, and I'm doing what I got to do. And I thought, I don't think you want to do this, bro. I think you should have stayed home. If not for your own self, but the fact that you have a woman there, granted she's not your wife, but you shared a child together, there has to be some kind of love there, be home for her. Be on for her heartbreak. She carried this boy. And he finally faced the music, because I guess he's heard it from a bunch of people. He said, a lot of people keep asking me, like, man, why are you even at work? Especially my family members. Boy, you need to go sit down somewhere. You got too many jobs already. Allow yourself to just be yourself, which is what I said exactly. 
And then Nick said, I appreciate that, all that advice. And I know it comes from a place of care, but to me, this isn't work, this is love. And he explained that he didn't feel perfect, but feeling genuine support from the people surrounding him at work gave him comfort. He went on air again and said, yesterday, it was a little easier than today because yesterday I was so laser focused and even numb. I just knew I had to get it done. Today, I'm a little torn. I'm a little confused because it's a hurting thing. I'm grieving. I feel guilty on so many levels. That's exactly what I'm saying. You ought to feel a little guilty by not giving that woman, the child's mother, some more time with you. I don't care if she has a brother or mother or father there. She needs the man that made that baby with her to be by her side for four or five days, bro. I still have a feeling he'll turn around and do that. I really do. I don't. I think he's going to succumb to this because it's not just going to be people talking about it to him. His inner voice is going to make him do it. If not, there's something seriously wrong with him. And and by the way, my heart goes out to the guy, but I don't think he understands how much grief this is. Let's talk about something other than grief. Let's talk about the holiday season. That means people are stockings are stuffed and uh, the elves will be cuffed. And today's sponsor, Manscaped, wants to be heard. They're sponsoring today's show. They have gone global with the tools to guarantee you will score under the tree and the mistletoe. Manscaped, as you know, is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they've served more than 4 million men worldwide. That's 8 million balls, if my math is correct. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code THANE. I don't care if you're naughty or nice. This is a season to perform. Manscaped's best-selling product. And my man, Jimmy Beggs, showed me a picture. His wife, Bunny, gave him the Christmas present early. He put it all out on the table and sent me a picture. It's beautiful. Maybe I'll post it. All the great stuff that Manscaped has to offer. The, 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 the lawnmower body trimmer. The best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. The weed whacker ear and nose and hair trimmer. Although, to me, Jim's ears and nose look fine. But whatever. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Bowl Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Bowl Toner. Even if you don't think you need this stuff, just hearing what it does for you men, you have to think, I got to check this out. Really, if you're on the fence, just get it. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. I know dads who can't stop talking about this. I know women secretly buying this for themselves, too, even though the product's called Manscaped. I know chicks who use this, okay? Now, these are our picks for Manscaped's Surefire Win stocking stuffers. The Signature Cologne, the Shears 2.0 Luxury luxury 4-Piece Nail Kit, the Crop Mops, Bowl Wipes for your stanky nuts. Sometimes midday, you got to just clean them up. Crop Reviver Bowl Tunnel, like I said. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And always remember... All you people who worry about ingredients, everything here is all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know their products are legit. Make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season. We're at that time of year now where the mail is so fucking screwy. Get it now so it doesn't get there December 29th. You know how the U.S. Postal Service is. They're not reliable, so hurry up and do it. And while you're at it, get 20% off free shipping. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code FAME. (sighs) I think they may have surpassed the other companies I've advertised with. We've been, we've been hammering them and apparently they're, they're happy with what they get from this show. So all you guys with a couple of nuts, even you guys with one nut. I knew a guy, I knew two guys with one nut. One time we had a soccer game in high school and it was, you know, back in the eighties, late, no, actually late seventies. Guys didn't wear cups to play soccer. I mean, some guys didn't even wear cups playing football. I know that's ridiculous, but some guys didn't. But especially for soccer. And you're running around with loose shorts, and it's, you know, late November. It's cold out. And there was a loose ball at one point in the game, and two guys are racing head-on for this ball. I forget what team we were playing. I think Connect Quad High School. And one of the guys on my team, a senior named Gary Williams, running at full speed, they bang into each other. Both guys go down, but Gary is down and he's moaning and groaning and we all circle around him. And our coach, Coach Moore, asked him where it hurts and he said, my balls. And he said, may I look? And he pulled his shorts down and we all got a peek. There was a ball missing. His ball was smashed. Terrible. Out for the season, major operation. They put it back together like Humpty Dumpty. But, yeah, that can happen. So we're at Cups. I wouldn't have told that story. It's not about fame. But, uh, hey, we're talking about balls. Um, I wanted to talk about something, especially that it's been in the news a lot. And I feel like um, the other day it came up again because somebody said, AJ, you were right. You know, the Marilyn Manson, the crazy rock and roller, the crazy guy. <clears throat> Devil worshiping, you know, the crazy, he's an idiot. But cops, I guess, feds, whatever the hell, descended on his house to search for stuff, to search for evidence that would um, shed light on some of the horrible things many women said he did to them. And uh, I'm not sure if it was the house he just sold or that's empty or the house he lives in now. Either way, they took away a lot of boxes of stuff. And I'm sure they're getting ready to really go at him hard. And it made me really go in-depth and read about Marilyn Manson in, in, in publications and such that I never never read before. And it's, you know, we, we talk about all these guys on this show that have done awful things, from Harvey Weinstein down to, you name it, there's been so many, Matt Lauer, so many guys have done awful things since the Me Too era broke. But the stuff this guy is alleged to have done is beyond the pale. And for Kanye West to take him in and bring him to his church service and sing with him and Justin Bieber to be friends with him and the singer Halsey 
to have his 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 name tattooed on her on her side of her body. It's so tone deaf and idiotic. The guy's bad. If you're a woman, especially Halsey, you don't need his image, likeness, or name on your body. In the past year, more than a dozen women have come forward accusing him of psychological or sexual abuse. There have been a lot of interviews in the LA Times and People. Four have filed civil lawsuits. A bunch of them spoke to Rolling Stone, and this is where I got a lot of stuff. And I want to tell you the kind of stuff Rolling Stone had. There's an article in Rolling Stone called um, something about the devil. I forget the, the, the something about the devil. Just look up Rolling Stone and Marilyn Manson. You'll get the article. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. The fact that he was able to hide his abuses in plain sight, plain, plain sight behind this image of Marilyn Manson, this character that he created and the music industry supported and profited from. I mean, this guy was a walking demon. You know, he, he was nothing less than a serial sexual predator. And he's basically been telling the world this is who he is for more than 25 years. And the investigation Rolling Stone did was based on nine months of research, a bunch of court documents. They interviewed more than 55 people who've known him at various points throughout his life. Former friends of his sat down, the girls he dated, uh, the girls he shacked up with. And um, they basically talked about what the Marilyn Manson lifestyle was like. And it is horrifying. Yeah, it was the it was Marilyn Manson, the, the, the monster hiding in plain sight. That's what the article was. There'll never be a more definitive article about him. This is like what Ronan Farrow wrote about Harvey Weinstein that caused his demise. This is the one that's going to just destroy Marilyn Manson, and justifiably so. There are things in here that these girls have described that are chilling. The fact that Marilyn Manson had something he called a rape room in an apartment um, before he had his house. He had this glass room he used to record stuff. He put some padding in it. It was soundproof, and that's not all he used it for. He used it to keep girls in and to, to torture them, to leave them alone for hours. Yet no one could hear them screaming or pounding. It was completely soundproof. I've been in the same loft with the Bon Jovi drummer, Tico Torres, when he lived in Soho. And he had a glass room like that in his loft. And he'd be wailing on the drums. We couldn't hear a thing outside that glass room. So a girl screaming or pounding the glass ain't going to do shit. Or pounding the padding, not even the glass. But, I mean, this whole room began as a vocal booth. And a decade before Marilyn Manson rented this apartment above a liquor store on Sunset Boulevard, this is back in 2010, somebody who used to live there built this little glass enclosure in the corner of a room so he can make his up-tempo house music. And uh, Manson's real name, by the way, is Brian Warner, who was a real loser in school, an absolute, didn't know what he wanted in life, just an absolute loser. And people have come forward and described exactly what went on, what it was like to be with him, how he would frequently banish girlfriends in this room, keep them inside for hours, and he'd punish them for the tiniest transgressions, and he called it the bad girl's room. There's one particular girl named Ashley Morgan Smithline who's suing him for sexual assault and unlawful imprisonment. 
And she told Rolling Stone that he forced her to stay in that space, which, by the way, it's about the size of a dressing room in a department store, for hours at a time when they were dating. And she says, first, he made it sound cool. Then he made it sound very punitive. Even if she was screaming, nobody would ever hear her. She said, first, you fight, and he enjoys the struggle. I learned not to fight it because that was giving him what he wanted. I just went somewhere else in my head. And the rest of his apartment back then was decorated with blood and swastikas and photographs of uh, photographs from porno mags. And she said there were vaginas everywhere. Spray painted message above his bed said AIDS. The carpets, the furniture, the decorations were all black. The curtains were black to blot out the light. Every window, 24 hours a day. The temperature of this place was never above 65 degrees. And if you raised it, he threw tantrums and beat the shit out of you. Some people called it the black refrigerator or the meat locker. And this is where he inflicted repeated acts of mental, physical, and sexual abuse. And these girls, some of whom went on to work in Hollywood, Evan Rachel Wood uh, is one of them. And what's the name? Esme Bianco from Game of Thrones, another one. Crippling bouts of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, PTSD, not to mention physical injuries. Speaking of Esme Bianco, she said not only would he verbally abuse her, but he would deprive her of sleep, deprive her of food. He used to bite her, cut her, electrocuted her, and whipped her without her consent, and raped her during their two years together. I don't understand a girl who stays with someone who's raping them over and over. There's got to be some place to go or a cop to call. Why do you stay there? And she says in one episode that was truly horrifying, he chased her with an axe around the apartment, smashing holes in the walls because he said she was crowding him. So what they did at Rolling Stone, they had uh, all these girls get into a living room in somebody's home in L.A., I think as maybe Uncle's home, perhaps, and uh, her, uh, Walters, Smithline, Evan Rachel Wood, a, a model named Sarah McNeely, and they all told their Marilyn Manson stories, and each of them said what he'd done to them, and all of them thought they were the only one, which is kind of common for a lot of chicks who go through this kind of horrible ordeal. Then they realized, oh, my God, he's done this to everybody. And others began to come forward. And it just paints a picture of this, somebody who's, you know, the way he did it was he, they call it love bombing. He would flatter them, like completely flatter them and act like they're the person he's been waiting for his whole life. And then once they get comfortable, then they would say he plied them with drugs and alcohol, controlled their eating and their sleeping habits, then held them captive emotionally and physically until they submitted to his will. I feel bad for all these women. I just don't like when it when it goes from, oh, he's very flattering to, and then we took drugs and drank. There's a disconnect there. Like, how do I say this? Just visually, girls, when you saw Marilyn Manson make a play for you, I don't even want to get into why do you think he's handsome. I'm not even going to get into that. Each his own. But when you get back to the house and you see the swastikas and the and the, the Nazi symbolism, do you think you want to do cocaine with him? Do you think you need that tequila shot after shot after shot? Why do you think you're in a safe place? It's brainwashing 101. And it's it's like a cult leader mentality. 
a man who eventually has complete power and control over you. I mean, not for nothing, in this guy's house, he's got paintings by John Wayne Gacy, the murderer and rapist. He's got an unused canister of Zyklon B, which was the gas that the Nazis used to murder Jews during the Holocaust. And he would show this canister to his Jewish friends, like, hey, check this out. You know, I, I mean, I, you got to blame yourself at some point for being there for that long. Again, this is not about me thinking he's innocent in any stretch of the imagination. He is horrible. He needs to go to jail. But if my daughter had brought him home and said, Dad, this is Brian Warner, he's Marilyn Manson, I'd take her aside and say, are you fucking kidding me? This guy's a disaster. This guy's going to hurt you. Uh, did any father do that? Or were all the girls too old to even talk to their dads? I don't understand. I mean, Rolling Stone reached out to so many other people in addition to the 55 they interviewed, and they wanted no part of it. Even Trent Reznor, when they used to work together, said the guy is a, is a clown. He's a drug-addict clown. Nothing he says is true. He's ruined his life. He's full of shit. I want nothing to do with him. You know, and then you've got people like Halsey who hear all these things, and I admire her singing. I think she's beautiful. I think she's talented. This giant tattoo of him on her side, and it's for his music, not for the man himself. That's a bunch of bullshit. All these women who are, you know, part of your army. You know, I am woman, hear me raw. They're all talking about the awful things he did, and you keep the tattoo of him on your body? Listen, you got money, honey. Lazy removal might be a little painful, but you need to go do it. You don't get a tattoo of Marilyn Manson on your ribcage unless you eventually hear how bad he is, then you get it removed. It's like having a Hitler tattoo because, oh, I didn't like what he did in Germany, but I love his watercolor paintings. Come on. Anyhow, I read that story in Rolling Stone. It just, it, it made me think again about how crazy this story is and how this guy has to do jail time. I think he might be the final firecracker that goes off from the Me Too movement four and a half years ago, even though he wasn't really dragged in under it, but he's right on the edge of it. He needs to go down. I tell you what, I'm kicking myself. I got another story to tell you. I'm, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm kicking myself. I've known for about seven, eight years that Sylvester Stallone was looking to be on a TV drama. He wanted to do TV. And at one point, he had come to me because a friend of ours who owns a pizza place in Beverly Hills called Mulberry Street Pizza has a very colorful clientele. The guy's name is Richie Palmer. He owns like three or four of those pizza places. But the place in Beverly Hills is very famous for a lot of people who go there. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Mickey Rourke, mobsters go there, cops eat there, actresses. It's got a crazy clientele. And one day Stallone said to Richie, you're sitting on a gold mine here. This is a TV show. He said, we got to get a writer to put a, put a, 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 a script together and I'll go market it because I want to be on a TV. I want to do television. I want to produce and star in a TV show. So Richie said, I'll, get, I'll call A.J. Benza. And Sly, we just did Rocky. He goes, I love A.J. Call him. So the three of us go on the phone. I say, I'm going to sit with Richie for a few nights, get some of his stories, his background story. And it's great. And I create seven or eight characters. I write a, I write a pilot episode. And I tell Sly what I'm doing. Richie loves it. Sly says it sounds great. And I remember I got the call. My daughter was in a, in a, in a play in middle school, elementary school. And I couldn't leave because she was singing. And I see the number. It's Sly's number. I'm like, oh, God. 
But I said, if anybody can understand, I didn't, I couldn't leave my daughter singing. And as soon as she was done, the play was over. I called him back and I explained what happened. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. Go ahead. I'll do the same thing. And he explains to me, I like what you're writing. Richie tells me about it. I think it's great. He says, I want to put you in touch with my agent and let's, I'm going to try to pitch this thing. Um, I think he was going off to do the expendables. And then when he gets back, he'll have time to pitch it for such and such season. And this is going to be great. Let's all get rich together, that kind of stuff. And I go off and I keep writing my pilot episode because he liked the two or three pages I sent. I'm writing the pilot. And he said, let's not make it too mobsterish. I said, no, I won't do that. Guys, there's so many characters in Beverly Hills. He says, you know, but let's not make it too mobbish. I don't want to do another Sopranos. I said, no, no, I won't do that. And I didn't do that. But you can't avoid the, the, avoid the fact that Richie escaped New York City because he was on the edge of the mob and he drove out to California to get away from them. So I included that little bit in the pilot. No big deal. So Richie's telling me Sly can't wait for this stuff. Sly's away doing the expendable. Sly can't wait. Sly can't wait. He says, show me something today. Show me something today. Then one day he's like, Sly's here. Send me what you got. I said, Richie, I'm not even home. I can't do it through my phone. I got to get my laptop. I said, give me an hour. So I, I hurry up and send him everything. But what I didn't realize was the, the title page, I didn't have written by, created by, produced by. And I didn't know what order to put that in. I was just like, what do I do? In retrospect, I shouldn't send anything because I think I hurt Sly's feelings. So I think I sent created by A.J. Benza and Sylvester Stallone, written by A.J. Benza. And he didn't like that. And I, it was a, it was really shocking, like, oh, my, okay, this is a big ego I'm dealing with. Rightfully so. 45 years as a leading man, that's a very big ego, and he deserves it. But I'm like, Sly, I didn't, I didn't know what order to put anybody in. Should I have said created by you? I don't know how to do that. I, it's the first time I've ever done that kind of page where I wrote a script for somebody else to pitch. No, no, I don't like, I, I, I resent that. I said, I, you know, I didn't realize that was going to bug you. And he said, you know, I don't like it. It's too mobby. And, you know, let's just part, uh, you know, nothing personal that happens. And I got something else to do. And that was it. And I sat down with his brother, Frank, a couple times at dinner. I said, Frank, you got to tell Sly that there was nothing about that. I didn't know what order to put the fucking names. Oh, don't worry. He's not, he's not mad. I said, yeah, but it bugs me. The guy put me in Rocky. We had a great time. And then something like this. Don't worry. So all of a sudden, that's why you can't predict what this town's about. I read in the trades the other day that Sylvester Stallone is in negotiations to star and executive produce in something called Kansas City. It's a drama series from talented people, Taylor Sheridan and Terrence Winter of Sopranos fame. It's Stallone's first major lead TV series, okay? Kansas City brings together Sheridan, who's becoming one of the most significant TV creators in the business. He did Yellowstone, Mayor Mayor Kingstown, 1883, and Winter, of course, Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire creator. Hi. Now, listen to the synopsis of Kansas City. Kansas City follows a New York City Italian mobster played by Stallone, forced to relocate to the most unlikely of places, Kansas City, Missouri. Set in present day, the legendary mobster Stallone is faced with the startling task of reestablishing his Italian mafia family to the modernized straight-shooting town of KC. And there, he encounters surprising and unsuspecting characters who follow him along his unconventional path to power. If I tell you the people I created that were in that pizza place were guys like this, 
who came back from his past to follow him around, and he had to deal with that while being at Richie's Pizza. Richie at Richie's Pizza. I did this. <clears throat> I'm not saying it was stolen, but I basically did this. Again, I love Sly and Terrence Winter and Sheridan. I have nothing bad to say about their work, but who pitched who this idea? Who pitched who this idea? So if you can understand Hollywood, or better yet, if you can understand a big star like Sylvester Sloan, educate me. Nothing against Sly. Like I said, I love the guy, and I wish our script didn't end in such a weird manner. But all I know is one day it was, let's not do a mafia-type thing, and the next, that's exactly what he's doing. I hope I'm wrong. But um, I get the feeling because of his talent... Sly is going to want to rewrite a lot that comes from Sheridan and Winter. Um, and they're better at what they do. Okay? Sly is good, a good writer, obviously, from what he's created. But Terrence Winter and Sheridan are tippy-top cream of the crop. If he wants to interject too many ideas, then I'm going to start to wonder if casting him was a great idea. Again, don't get me wrong. I want to see this show. I'm really dying to see if it's just my idea of a show instead of Beverly Hills in Kansas City or if it's something completely different. Either way, I'm intrigued, to say the least. I'm AJ Benza. That was your free show for Free Ball Friday, December 10th, 2021. Talk to you this Monday. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an A.J. Benza Drop Biscuit Studios production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino.